We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hi there, and welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Today is Thursday, August 24th. Uh, it's going to be a solo show today. I am going to be answering your prospect questions, and I am also going to give you a list of my top 10 prospects for the 2024 season. I know we've still got plenty of baseball left in 2023, but a lot of people have been asking me about those lists, and I thought this was a great opportunity to do so. But first, I'll answer some of your questions. Uh Change the names to protect the innocent. So, you know, you guys who sometimes worry about what your league is thinking, what you'll do, I appreciate it and uh, totally understand. Uh, so first off, we have Dieter. I can only keep one next year, Brooks Lee or Colson Montgomery. This is a really interesting question to start us off. And I have to be honest, all of the questions here are fantastic in my humble estimation. But this is an interesting one just because Montgomery's stock has been rising, I think, as much as any prospect in baseball. There are many people who believe that he is a top 10 prospect in baseball. My good buddy Kylie McDaniel currently has him as the number two prospect in baseball. I think it is Montgomery, but I think it's closer than you might think. Montgomery has the higher ceiling. I don't think there's any question about it. A guy who not that long ago, as of recording, uh, just a couple days before recording, had an on-base percentage above 500. Now, missed time with an injury and has only played in about 45 games. But the ceiling is obvious. This is a shortstop who can hit for average, and he can hit for power. I don't think he's going to steal a ton of bases. That's not really his game. The Corey Seager comps are lazy for every left-handed hitting white shortstop, but they're easy to see. It's easy to understand, like, they're, they do have a bit of a similar skill set. I think Seager has the higher hit tool, but I think Montgomery could develop more power, and his approach at the plate is really impressive. The White Sox needed this to happen because, you know, you see that they are just an absolute disaster of a baseball team right now, but they do have a pretty nice farm system now, and, and in part, it's the rankings for the system is very much due to the fact that Montgomery has taken a massive jump up but Lee is worth consideration, and I don't think Lee's that far behind. He doesn't have Montgomery's power, but I don't think this is a dink and dunk hitter. I think this is a guy who can provide 20 to 25 homers in his best seasons, and I love his hit tool. It might be the best of any prospect in the AAA level right now. Not the best in baseball. That's Jackson Holiday, who we will talk about. Trust me. 
but it's 70 hit tool 65 if you're a believer in that metric i personally am but it's it's right around that mark a guy who can hit 310 320 in his best seasons without question i think montgomery's a little better defender but the twins seem committed to him being a shortstop and it would not shock me at all if he was their starting shortstop for the majority of next year. He's ready to roll. This was a 2022 draft pick out of Cal Poly who is already playing in AAA. Now, it looks less impressive when Nolan Shamuel is already in the major leagues because the Angels are crazy people. But it is absolutely worth pointing out that a player that was drafted just last year is already in AAA for them. I wouldn't be shocked at all. If he was helping them out. But to answer your question, I think you have to go with Montgomery. It's close. But ultimately, if you're playing with the ceiling play, I think you go with Montgomery. Some of this also depends. You didn't tell me how many years you can keep the guys. But assuming that it's a keep forever type of situation, uh, I do think that that is the play. Uh, Question number two is from Gunter. Thank you, Gunter. We really appreciate you reaching out. Rank these pitchers for me. Jacob Mizorowski. Cade Horton and Ricky Tiedman. Really fun one as well. And I think all three of these guys are kind of in that tier of being maybe, if not the best pitching prospects in baseball, but pretty darn close. Um, I would go Horton at number one. I've been really impressed with what I've seen from him. The 2022 draft class has a chance to be a really special one. Uh, kid out of Oklahoma who has put up really good numbers already in double A. Maybe the best slider of any pitching prospect in baseball right now, but a good fastball as well. Command has taken really strong strides. He certainly wouldn't have been number one on this list if we did it last year. Uh, If we're talking about this last year, he was, you know, a a high pick, a top 10 pick, but a lot of people were kind of had question marks about the upside. I don't think you can question the upside anymore. I think Horton is that selection by a, Fairly considerable margin. I might be the high man on Horton, but I like him an awful lot. I go Tiedemann, too. His season's been a little mixed. Uh, Dealt with an injury. Dealt with another injury. Uh, ERA is in the mid-fours. That's not exactly what we're signing up for. But a 50 to 13 strikeout rate in a not a whole heck of a lot of innings tells you that this guy can absolutely miss bats. A lot of people thought that he was going to be with the blue jays at this point i consider myself one of them i absolutely wouldn't have been surprised at all if we would have seen tiedemann making starts for the blue jays but you know there's there's been a little bit of a setback not a massive setback he's just lost a little bit of luster he's no longer to me a top 25 prospect you're talking about more in the 40 to 50 range uh still a lot to like but i think that you have to put horton ahead of him by a considerable margin And then Mizorowski's third, and that's not really an insult to him. You're talking about two of the better pitching prospects of baseball ahead of him. If we're just going by pure stuff, I think Mizorowski's number one. This is a six foot seven right hander who can touch triple digits, has an 80 grade fastball, has a 70 grade slider, has a couple other pitches that can miss bats, deceptive delivery, funky, funky arm slot. You know, not like funky that, well, I mean, that's that's kind of part of it is that. I wonder if he's going to, there are two things that make me concerned about Mizorowski. Actually three. Number one, that he's throwing so hard already. It's just something you got to worry about. Number two, the fact that at six foot seven and he's listed at 190 pounds, 190 seems uh, 
aggressive based on how he looks. Saw him in the Futures game and got some Tristan McKenzie vibes. That is a skinny young man. Not like frail, but I do wonder how he would be able to handle the modern Ridgers of a starting rotation spot. And then number three is just the command. Because he does have that funky arm slot, because he does have a lot of movement on his pitches, it's a little more difficult to control. He reminds me a little bit of Matt Brash, a taller, um, not Canadian, and a little more likely, and a little better arsenal, full arsenal, um, in terms of his pure stuff. But there, there's kind of similar in type of profile in that, yeah, it would be great if they could develop into starters, but you know what you got in relief, too. I think Mizorowski, at the end of the day, I think Milwaukee will give him a chance as a starter, and I don't blame him. And if he ends up being a starter, great. That could be huge upside, massive upside for them. I totally get it. But I, uh, at the end of the day, I think he's going to become either a multi-inning reliever or a closer type, a, a very high leverage reliever who could be among the best relievers in baseball. So those would be that that would be how I'd go with those three. I would go Cade Horton number one, fairly substantially. Tiedemann Mizorowski, fairly close, but I think Tiedemann is a little more likely to start than Mizorowski at this point. All right, question three comes from Sven. I can't make the trade until the offseason, but I was offered Otani for Ethan Salas and Junior Caminero. I can keep Otani for two more years. Got to do it, right? So this question did come to me before the news uh, that broke on Wednesday morning, that broke everybody's heart, or Thursday morning, excuse me, that broke everybody's heart, that Shohei Otani has a torn UCLA. UCLA. Torn UCLA. I'm so sorry, Shohei. Sorry, UCLA. I still think you got to do it. And the reason why you got to do it is I get asked about Ethan Salas a lot and for good reason. He is one of the best real life prospects in baseball. But if you can sell Ethan Salas high, I would recommend it. And it's nothing against him. It's because of the fact that he is a much better, in my humble estimation, real life prospect than a fantasy one. So much of Salas's value comes from behind the plate. And that means he's going to stay behind the plate, which can very much help you in fantasy baseball. There's no question about that. You want your catchers to remain catchers, right? That's a premium position. If you get stuff out of it, that's amazing. But the glove isn't necessarily going to help you in terms of actual fantasy production. We are not talking about an Adley Rutschman or Francisco Alvarez in terms of offense, in my humble opinion. You're talking about in a well above average hit tool, so plus, so that 280, 290 is certainly possible. You're talking about well above average power as well, so 25 to 30 homer seasons are possible, but they're not locks. And this could be a 260, 270 type hitter who hits 20 to 25 home runs and drives in a decent amount of runs while playing in San Diego or wherever the heck he ends up. I, I would imagine it's San Diego. I can't imagine they're trading Ethan Salas anytime soon. But that's good. That's not great. That is certainly someone I'm willing to give up for someone as good as Shohei Otani, even if he's just a hitter. Even if Otani is just a hitter for the rest of his career, which I don't think he will be, but even if that's all you get from Otani is stuff at the at, at the dish, I'm willing to move Salas for it. Now, you, Caminero, who we'll talk about, he's going to be in that list in the second half of the show. That's, that's tough. That's a top five prospect for me right now with a real chance to hit for average and power 
And Tampa Bay's ability to develop these guys is also something you just can't completely ignore either. But it's Shohei Otani. You're talking about a 50 home run hitter who might also, in 2025, the second year you can keep him, provide a ton of value on the mound as well. I'd do it. I would certainly do it. I might, um, you know, ask for like a back-end prospect or something like that just to, you know, see what you can do. But even though these are two top 10 real-life prospects, I don't think you're talking about a top 10 fantasy prospect, in my humble estimation. I like Ethan Salas a lot. And if we're just going by real life, you're not trading Ethan Salas. There is a very good chance at this point next year he will rank number one on prospect list because he's an unbelievably good defender behind the plate. And he's a good offensive player with a ton of potential. The fact he's a 17-year-old playing in double A is just nutty. Absolutely insane. And he deserves a ton of credit for it. I do not want this to be an anti-Ethan Salas thing. This is just much more a pro Shohei Otani thing. All right. Magnus asks, what are your thoughts on Carson Wisenhunt? I like the numbers, but he doesn't go very deep into games. Is he a future starter? So you're absolutely right. He hasn't gotten deep into games. Uh, this year, he's appeared 16 times, and he's only thrown 58 and two-thirds innings. Some of that has to do with the fact he hasn't been particularly efficient. And some of that, I think, is they're being very careful here with what I think could be a really good starting pitcher someday. Uh, we talked about Horton's slider being the best in the minors. I think Wisenhunt's change is the best in the minors, and it isn't even close. He is the rare guy who can throw his changeup to lefties and righties. That's huge because the ability to kind of corkscrew that ball and to get the same depth with the same arm speed as this fastball it's massive. I mean, there are just very few guys who can do what Carson Wisenhunt can do with their change. It's also got a well above average fastball, talking 96, 97, can go for a little more, I think, in shorter terms. You know, some question marks about the curveball, but I think he's starting to show a little more consistency. And I think he showed a couple of curveballs during the Futures game that suggested, okay, it's here. He's more of a two-pitch guy. He's That's th certainly his third pitch right now. And that's okay. You know, all it has to do is be good enough to keep hitters honest, keep the hitters off of, and it's hard to sit on a changeup. I think we all know that. I mean, if you're absolutely looking for it, then yeah, you, you can hit anything if you know what's coming and you lock into it. But it's harder to do with a changeup, especially if somebody throws a fastball, you can be made to look quite the fool. Um, I think he's more mid-rotation arm because of the command. He does have to work on throwing more consistent strikes. Uh, it is worth somewhat pointing out this was a guy who dealt with a PED suspension so and he missed a year of development but I've been really impressed with what I've seen from Wisenhunt and all the reports I've gotten have been impressed have been impressive as well mid rotation I think he'll probably make his debut next year I'm not putting him ahead of Kyle Harrison as the best pitching prospect in that system there are some who consider it there are some who believe that Wisenhunt has a little bit higher floor just because Harrison I mean, we talked about Wisenhunt having inconsistent command. Harrison's is, whew, when it's good, it's good. And when it's not, well, we see what happens. But yeah, I definitely would be, to, long story-ish, long story-ish, <laughs> short, I would absolutely be adding Carson Wisenhunt to my Dynasty League. I think he's got a chance to be a pretty solid option. Uh, Oleg asks, I have the third pick in the Dynasty draft this winter, by the way. Real quick, I think that's the best time to have a dynasty draft. I think that's the best time to um, 
you know, if you're in a dynasty league and you're incorporating uh, the previous years or the most recent draft class, I like doing it in the winter. I get doing it in the summer. I get waiting until doing it the next year. I like doing it in the winter. It gives everybody a chance to kind of maneuver and make trades. And the more trades in the dynasty league, the absolute better. But I, and I assume that Skeens and Cruz will be the first two picks. Both Clark and Langford have played well. Which player would you target? So, yeah, you're probably Dylan Cruz should be the first pick of any dynasty draft that if he's eligible. Like, I understand he was the second pick, but and Paul Skeens has a real chance to help the Pirates like tomorrow. Like, he has the stuff to do that, but you're taking the center fielder uh, like Dylan Cruz over him in fantasy baseball every single time. As for Clark and Langford, uh, neither. I'd go with Walker Jenkins. I like both of those players. Don't get me wrong. There is a clear top four, in my personal opinion. And honestly, I would take the bats over Skeens as well. And it's nothing against Skeens. It's just give me the offensive players over the pitchers. You'll certainly see that when we talk about uh, the 2024 list in a little bit. But I would rank them. I would go Cruz. And then I would go Jenkins. And then I would go Langford and Clark. That's not how the draft order went, you know. But in terms of fantasy upside, I think Jenkins has the most. I love his swing. I love the chance for stolen bases here. I love the fact that I think Minnesota is kind of underrated in its player development system. You know, have they developed a superstar? Byron Buxton showed flashes of it, just was never able to stay healthy. But they're pretty good in their hit rate. And Detroit has been okay in their hit rate, too. And certainly Texas has had some hits as well. But I like Jenkins in that player development system. And I think he has a little more offensive upside than Clark. So Langford would be my guy if you're looking for near immediate impact. I don't think he's coming up next year, but he's already in high A. He's performed well. He hit as well as anybody in college. Um, it's worth pointing out, if you're into this sort of thing, Langford peaked late, which I think a lot of people believe, I, I don't think a lot of people believe, I know a lot of people believe, is a good thing. Like he's just now tapping into what he has. There are some people who ranked him ahead of Cruz because of this. I vehemently disagree. I think Cruz is just a super special player. But there's no denying that Langford is the more ready of those two guys. We're talking about Walker Jenkins and Max Clark, both being high school guys, while Wyatt Langford is a guy who performed in the SEC last year and performed awfully well. And I do think he has a chance to hit for some power and a decent average as well. He just doesn't have the upside of those other two for me. And that's, again, we, we keep talking about like these things as if they're insults to players. It's more compliment to Jenkins and Clark than insert insult to Langford. If you take Langford, it's totally justifiable. But if I was ranking the three and you do have that third pick, I would go uh, Cruz and then I would go Jenkins and then I would go Clark. Langford, a not distant fourth. And if it's the guy you end up taking, totally understand it. But I like Jenkins the most of those three. All right, we're going to get into my list for the 2024 season. But before that, we're going to take a very quick commercial break. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We know the weather can impact how far a ball can fly, but we never know what all that heat and humidity or cold air is really doing to the ball. The Home Run Forecast Index gives us an easy way to determine how good or bad the air is for ball flight. The index is calculated by measuring stadium-specific weather conditions and is displayed on a scale from 1 to 10, 1 being the most unfavorable for good ball flight and 10 indicating the most favorable air. There is a strong correlation between the index and the number of runs scored per game and the number of home runs hit. Games that have that highest index of 10 for the whole game average over 10 runs and 2.8 homers over the course of the year. An index is created for each game so you can see what it will be in any stadium and how the weather's influence might change over the course of the game as well as the wind direction. Now, right now, you can get access to the HRF Premium site for only $5 a month and see what the index will look like for every hour of every game. Go to homerunforecast.com now to sign up. Okay, so let's get into that list. And, uh, you know, a lot can change. A lot can change between now and then. I did calculate to make sure or be pretty sure that these guys will be eligible next year. Um, I don't think anybody is particularly close. In fact, I don't, I think I only have two players that have made 
major league, their major league debuts at this point. Now there's a chance that a few of them could make their debut before the season starts, but uh, let's go in reverse order. I think that'll be fun. Okay. At number 10, I have Evan Carter, who is an outfielder with the Texas Rangers has played really well in double a. I thought he might have a chance to make his debut this year. Texas has been so good and gotten more outfield help than I think they expected. So they've been able to keep Carter at that double a level uh, 60 hit, 55 power, good chance for steals as well. Can't imagine that he won't make his debut next year for this team. He's a guy they like an awful lot. Top 15 real-life prospect, top 12 or so fantasy prospect. You can make an argument that he belongs in the top 10. I like Carter a lot. I think he will make his debut. Uh, this next season, I would guess like right around the summertime, have to like the fact that he'll be playing in a really good Texas lineup. I know they're scuffling right now, but you've seen what they've done for the majority of the season. This is a very, very good offensive team, a decent offensive ballpark, not the best, not the worst. Kind of weird that ch changed a little bit, didn't it? We were very worried after the 2020 season that this place was just going to be very hard to hit homers. Now, I mean, it's not the best, but it's certainly not the worst. Uh, number nine, I have James Wood, an outfielder for the Washington Nationals. Being completely honest with you, this has not been Wood's best season, especially since he's been promoted to double A, uh, hitting right around the 240 range, isn't getting on at a great clip. But there have been more than enough flashes, folks, and he's one of the younger players in the double A level. I love his swing. He's a six foot seven guy who I think we just kind of assume six foot seven, big boy that he's just about power, and there's plenty of it. Could be plus plus. There's no doubt about it. The ball just jumps off this bat. But I think his feel for hitting is underrated. I do think he has a chance to hit for a solid average. We're talking more 55 on the 2080 scale than we're talking 60, but that'll certainly play a good approach. Very underrated athlete. The, the biggest concern with Wood coming out of high school was, look at the size of this dude. How is he going to play in the outfield? I don't think there's any denying that he can play in the outfield. The Nationals stink. They've been better than I thought, but they're still not very good. There's certainly a, a opportunity here for him to be the next guy who comes up. I imagine he'll start next year in AAA unless he has just an unreal spring training. Maybe has a chance to make the team out of there if he's really, really good, but I imagine he'll get some AAA time before he gets to that highest level. Big fan of James Wood. He comes in at number nine on that list. Um, this is kind of a loaded list. It's going to be a really fun time next year. I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, let's get to 2024, which is a weird thing to say as a Mariner fan because 2023 has been pretty fun too. Uh, number eight, I have Mason Wynn. And Wynn is somebody who's currently in the major leagues, but I do believe he will have prospect eligibility. I think there's a certain re <laughs> there is a reason why St. Louis waited until their time to call this guy up. Wynn's probably a better real-life player than a fantasy player because of his defense and just how it serve a throwing arm. I would love to have a Mason Wynn versus Ellie De La Cruz throw-off. That would be an absolute hoot for me to watch those guys throw and see who can get to uh, like 105 miles per hour first. No, it's not that good, but it's, it's not far. He has a cannon of an arm. He was a guy. So at, coming out of high school, he was considered a two-way prospect. The Cardinals said, you're not a two-way prospect anymore. You're a shortstop, and they made absolutely the right decision. Uh, really has tapped into his power more than a lot of people thought, at least early on. 
a guy that you know you're wondering 10 to 15 i think more 15 to 20 maybe 25 if there's some swing adjustments and he continues to get stronger the cardinals don't run a heck of a lot but he has the speed to be a 30 stolen base guy and his feel for the barrel just keeps getting better i think the hit tool might be his best tool outside of his defense now so you're talking about a a 60 hit shortstop who can provide 30 stolen bases and is a lock to stick at the position. That makes him a good long-term play, and there's no doubt in my mind he's the shortstop for the St. Louis Cardinals next year. Barring something unforeseen, Mason Wynn will be that starting shortstop, and he'll be someone I will be targeting at the end of drafts next year for sure. Number seven, I have Colton Kowser. Kowser's really stunk at the major league level. Let's just be honest. He was hitting in the mid-ones, like 115, 120, And yet I was kind of impressed with what I saw from Kowser. The approach never got worse. Now, I think one thing he's going to have to work on is assertiveness, maybe being a little more aggressive. But all the tools are here for him to be a quality player, folks. Every tool projects plus except for speed. You know, he's not slow. He does have a chance to provide, especially with these new rules, 15 to 20 stolen bases. Love the approach that they play. I, again, I'd like to see a little more assertiveness, maybe more aggressiveness, a reason for pitchers to, you know, not get ahead in the count to him. But all the tools are here. Do not base his uh, long-term or short-term potential on what you saw over 61 at-bats. That's way too small a sample. Heaven knows we have seen so many players struggle in their first taste of Major League action and end up being good players. Now, we've seen the vice versa. I mean, we've seen... We have seen the vice versa. We've seen guys be good and then become bad. But we've also seen guys who have been bad and not be bad or not be good. I think Colton Kowser is one of the guys who's going to be takes his struggles, his lumps, works at it and becomes a really nice player. He's still someone if the Orioles give him a chance this year again, absolutely giving him a shot as a uh, a fantasy option, at least adding him to my roster to see what he can do. Number six, Dylan Cruz. Yep, (laughs) Dylan Cruz, the second overall pick of last year's draft. The fact he's already in double-A, folks, he's coming next year. The Nationals might have a really fun outfield to watch, at least two of the three, with Cruz playing in center and Wood playing in either left or right. Uh, He's a special player. He can do everything. He will rank on my real-life list, probably in the top five prospects. I am a huge fan of his skill set. You know, a lot of people were worried that he kind of reminded him of Dustin Ackley. He's not Dustin Ackley. And look, prospects fail. (laughs) There's no doubt about that. But his skill set is a lot better than Ackley's. And some of that, you may be saying, Chris, that's hindsight. I don't think it is. I think Cruz was pretty clearly, to me, the best prospect in this draft. Great chance to hit for average and power. Great chance to steal some bases. A solid, if unspectacular, center fielder. You've seen him make some absolutely fantastic plays. Some of that, I think, has to do with the fact he can make the routine look spectacular sometimes with jumps, but I I think he's an excellent defender. The next guy we're talking about is a special defender, but I think he'll be a just fine defensive player. I think it said excellent in there by accident, but whatever. It doesn't matter. Dylan Cruz can really, really hit, and he looks ready to go. I think he's going to be worth adding at the very end of drafts because FOMO, the fear of missing out on that. It would not shock me one bit if he is one of the next baseball superstars. Uh, number five, Pete Crow Armstrong. And it starts with the defense. We You can't not mention the defense here. He is an 80-grade defensive player. He is a guy who 
you know, has a chance to gold gloves are a flawed way to judge defense, but it wouldn't shock me if he ended up with a whole heck of a lot of them. He's a really good defensive player. Uh, former first round pick of the Mets who got traded for Javi Baez. I think the Cubs, uh, I think the Mets might regret that one a little bit. Although Javier Baez was really good for the Mets. I think people forget about that. Uh, but yeah, half a season of Javi Baez for Pete Crow Armstrong, advantage Cubs. Uh, has really worked hard to add power to his game. He That was the biggest concern for him coming out of high school. There was no doubt that he can run. He can still run. There's no doubt he can defend. No doubt he can do that. And there was a good chance that he was going to have like a, a 55 to 60 hit tool because he made contact quite a bit, used the, full, used the whole field. But the swing was not conducive to power. Give the Cubs credit for tapping into it because – no, this is not a 30 to 40 homer guy, but it's 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 a 20 plus. And that's because they've added the lower half. It's a bit incorporated. He's added more loft to his swing as well. Pico Armstrong has a chance to be a really good one. I think we might see him this year. He's been playing well in AAA. Uh, he ranked, I believe, like number three or four. It, time is a construct on my imminent arrivals article this week. By the way, check that out. Every Wednesday, I give you the list of the 10 best redraft prospects uh, still in the minor leagues who still have prospect eligibility. Pete Crow Armstrong has a chance to help the Cubs this year. Very little doubt he's going to help the Cubs next year. Very interesting prospect. The fact he's been performing well in AAA only adds to the entry. All right. So number four to number one can kind of be in any order. I'll just give you my preferences, and we'll start at number four. It is Junior Caminero. The improvement this guy has made, like he was an interesting prospect coming into the season. There's no question about it. Uh, a guy that got traded for Cleveland for, and we'll just not talk about it. But one of the, it has a chance to be an absolute disaster of a trade. It's the opposite of Casey Blake for Carlos Santana for the for the tribe or for the Guardians. Excuse me. Um, dude can flat out hit seventy hit tool, sixty power. I have some defensive questions with him. And one of the biggest concerns I think I have for Caminero, and it's why he ranks higher on a long-term list for me than a short-term list, I think, where are you playing him? There are so many guys that the Rays have. Now, a lot of that can change in the offseason, right? You can make moves. Wouldn't be shocked if Curtis Mead, who I considered for this list as well, I'm still a big long-term fan of his, uh, got moved in a prospect deal. You can move guys. You can do things to make things change. But right now, there's a lot of things that have to go right for Caminero to make his debut, I think. If there those moves are made, he belongs in the top two. Like, just in terms of pure talent, he is as good of infield prospect as there is in baseball. doesn't matter if he's playing third base. doesn't matter if he's playing second base. wouldn't even really matter if he was playing first base. I, obviously, we're not rooting for that. But there's just so much offensive upside with him that – wherever he's playing is a blessing. I think we'd like second base. We wouldn't hate third base either because third base is not exactly the strength of prospects or uh, just major league talent right now. Third base is not a cesspool, but it's not good. And second base, same thing. But uh, I do think Caminero will make his debut next year, probably in the summer months. But with a good spring training and some move from the Rays, and you can never rule out moves from the Rays, um, I do think he'll be a very strong fantasy option for the majority of 2024. 
Uh, three and two, it was hard to order the Jacksons. <laughs> and uh, I'll say this, there's another Jackson, Jackson Merrill, who I think will have a chance to make his debut next year, who I like a lot too. I'm going Churio at three, uh, a ton to like. He was my number one overall prospect coming into the year. And his slide down has more to do with the fact that there were some incredible developments from other guys more than anything that he did wrong. Like this was not Cheerio. You take a look at an OPS of 799. It's not indicative of talent whatsoever. And that's not bad, especially considering his age, still a teenager. Uh, great chance to hit for power. Great chance to steal bases. A really good defensive player. I think one of the reasons, and this is an issue for Holiday as well, and we'll talk about it in just a second, of course. The Brewers outfield looks kind of full right now. You've got guys like, you know, Christian Yalek having your best year since 2018. You have Sal Frelick, who has looked the part. You have Joey Weimer, who has shown flashes of brilliance. You have Garrett Mitchell, who was showing flashes of brilliance before that. Where's he playing? The answer to that question is, is when the Brewers believe Jackson Churio is ready, you're finding room for him. He is that type of talent. They're they're going to find a way to get him into the lineup, but it's a reason why I don't think he'll break camp with the team. And I would say only a few of these guys for sure are, are not even for sure, are likely to break camp. A win for sure, I think, will be there. Kowser's got a really good chance depending on what they do. Pete Crow Armstrong, really good chance depending on what they do as well. But Cheerio's probably going to start in AAA to begin the year. And yet I still want him on my roster for sure, just because of that power speed combination uh, and a decent average as well. Might be some adjustments. There is some swing and miss in the game, but I do think that the power speed combination makes him well worth a late round pick, but more mid to late. I would say there, there's a real chance that he is a special offensive player. I will be drafting him too early. And for those of you not watching on the, the live feed, I did put up some quotation marks there. Uh, number two, Jackson holiday. And Jackson Holiday is the best prospect in baseball now. But the reason why he ranks behind the number one guy on my list is, is he going to be able to make an immediate impact? It's not a question of talent. I couldn't be more impressed from what I've seen from Holiday. And I'll be honest with folks. I was a little lower on Holiday than some. I, I saw a really good player, but I didn't think he was great at one thing. Yeah, he's great at a couple things. Number one, hitting for average. That is an 80-grade hit tool. We struggle sometimes to give 80 great hit tools because it's just so much pressure and you can look foolish if you don't give them, but the great has to exist. And you're looking at a player that's hitting in the high, the mid three hundreds at double a as a teenager. Yeah. It's an 80 great hit tool folks. The power is better than I thought his approach to the plate. I'm not surprised is great. You know, son of Matt holiday. That still makes me feel incredibly old. Uh, but very smart player, a good, not great defensive player. You know, it wouldn't shock me if he moved over to third base someday, but has the range right now to be a starting shortstop. There's just so many infielders for the Orioles. You know, you kind of wonder what they're going to do here because obviously that's a team I think is making a trade in the offseason. You're not trading Gunnar Henderson. Um, you're probably not trading Jordan Westberg, you know, but there's some other guys that you might have to move to find a spot for this guy because. Yeah, he was drafted last year. But everything suggests he's just about ready to go. And if he has a big spring training, it's going to be hard to justify him not making at least an early addition, if not making the roster. He's that kind of talent. 
He is the number one prospect in baseball. And the only reason he's not number one on this list for 2024 is because I think there's a chance we don't see him until like game 25, game 30, something like that. But there's no, the sky's the limit. The sky is the absolute limit. And this guy isn't quite as talented as him, but I've liked him for an awful long time. Number one on my list for 2024 is Jordan Lawler. I've been the high man on Jordan Lawler for a long time. I thought he was the best prospect in his draft. I was really surprised he went sixth. Got off to a slow start this year. Um, I was a little disappointed. was kind of like, come on, Jordan, you're making Chris look stupid. No, um, but he, he did get off to a little bit of a slow start in double A but has played exceptionally well and has reached AAA and is off to a nice start in a very small sample, but handling AAA Reno just fine. The Bobby Witt comparisons may seem lazy, but it's what they are. He, everything is plus. He has a chance to hit for average, has a chance to hit for power, great chance to steal stolen bases, uh, good, solid defender at short with a strong throwing arm. There's some volatility because of some strikeout stuff, and his approach can sometimes get the best of him in terms of not having a great one all the time. Sorry about that. Uh, talking for 37 minutes straight can sometimes make your throat do some funny things. I think Lawler is going to be the starting shortstop to open the year for the Diamondbacks. I love what the Diamondbacks are building here. I like the fact that there's a chance he might hit near the top of the lineup, but even if he's sitting in the bottom, get a chance to get driven in by Corbin Carroll and some other guys. Not the worst thing in the world. Lawler's the guy that I'm going to be drafting very high in redraft leagues next year. And obviously, beyond all of these guys beyond Mustones in Dynasty Leagues, of course. But he'll be the guy I draft the highest next year. And, you know, you might be able to get away with not, especially if he doesn't make his debut this year, which 50-50. He's number one on my list right now. He certainly will have prospect eligibility next year. There's no denying that the, the because of how the rules work. And the rules are silly, but because he's only going to be able to get in something like 35 games at the very most, if he got called up tomorrow or the day after, he will absolutely be eligible for lists. And I think it's actually less than that. He'll probably only be able to play in 30 games if he gets called up tomorrow. You're probably looking, long story short there, 28, 25-game sample at most. He will absolutely be eligible for prospect stuff next year. And just the five tools, the five tools and the fact that he's at the highest level right now makes him pretty easily the top prospect on this list. But all those guys have a chance to make real impacts next year. This is, I've put together top 10 prospect lists for a very long time. This will probably be the best one that I put together in just terms of pure talent because of how many guys are at that double A and almost triple A level. It's it's a special list. It was a good list last year, too. Don't get me wrong, like getting Gunnar Henderson and players like that. But like just the turn in terms of pure quality and quantity, I think this is the best list. Uh, thanks so much for listening. I really appreciate it. Uh, if you have any questions about that list or anything at all, uh, send me a direct message on X, I guess is what they call it now, at Crawford underscore M-I-L-B. Thanks so much for listening. Make sure you're following all of our socials. Make sure you hit that like and subscribe button. It really helps the show, and we'd really appreciate it. And don't forget, we have a new episode every single day of the week throughout the 2023 season. Thanks so much, and we'll see you next time.